Hi everyone, I'm Gary Naw. We have a lot to share beginning this new year. We're going to talk about how vitamin D can help prevent COPD patients from getting worse. Also, after that, we're going to talk about how French oak wood extract helps people with post-traumatic stress disorder, and that's a lot of people now based upon the lockdown, loss of jobs, etc. Something natural and non-toxic can make a difference. Then we're going to talk about America's apocalyptic debt crisis. Richard Gale and myself spent over two years reviewing everything within the financial sector to see what is our true debt at all levels and how can we sustain a society if we have such income inequality so many poor people well in part we as we explained and wrote in an article and i presented the facts it's because a lot of the people who are making a lot of money are making it off debt so we're going to let you know another part of the story today. 63 of America's largest 75 cities are completely broke. So we're going to share that with you. And to my friend Steve Brown, who sent me at 3.30 in the morning, Steve, what are you up at 3.34? Uh, he sent me about 1,000 major brand name stores, chains, have closed in Manhattan in the last uh, 12 months, 1,000. Now, there are tens of thousands of other stores that have been affected and many closed permanently. What does that mean for us, for people who live in the city and love the city? What does it mean? I'll talk about that. Also, what if I told you that something I predicted three years ago is now actually present? Quote, brain-reading technology is coming. The law is not ready to protect us. And then it'll go into some depth about what is now being promoted. Remember, they're never going to promote something if they don't have it ready. It's like watching a coming attraction trailer of a movie, and they wouldn't give you the coming attraction if the film wasn't ready. So it's there. Well, would you want someone to read every memory? Once they tap into a neuron and they can determine what that message is, and they've been able to do that with artificial intelligence, they can read everything that you've ever thought, every thought you've ever had. Would you want that? Well, it's here, and that's important that we know that and have that discussion. Our ever-deadlier police state, Chris Hedges, Truth dig. I'm going to be offering commentaries, a lot of them, in the upcoming year. I intend to present at least one original commentary, possibly two per week. Last year, I did two per week, two original stories. That's a lot. This year, we're going to surpass that. So we're going to look at that. Also today, we're going to go to our video selection. And we're going to share some insights from other people. One is called Gravitas Plus. I've never seen this before. And when I looked at it, it was a, a woman a reporter. I believe that she is from India. I, I don't, I'm not aware. It's not out of the United States. But she did a brilliant 
commentary on who will bear the cost of the pandemic or should. And then I'll ask for your input as well on that. And time permitting, um, Brendan O'Neill, if not today, tomorrow, 2020 saw the most hysterical display of wokeness we've ever had. And I'll let him share his thoughts. You can respond in return. So we have a lot to share today. And by the way, most people listen to this program on the archives. So write down the numbers. You can call and get an archive show downloaded. 641-793-9592. 641-793-9592. Or you can listen live Monday to Friday, noon to 1 Eastern Standard Time, Tuesday, 7 to 8. And our Listen Live number, always write it down so you have it with you, 774-337-6033, 774-337-6033. Now, I want to go through our health and nutrition segment because there's a lot to share. And by the way, also about vitamin C, let me just start with vitamin C. This is from the University of Iowa. High doses of vitamin C to improve cancer treatment passes human safety trial. That's good. This was published in the peer-reviewed journal Cancer Cell. And it's showing that 800 to 1,000 times, times the daily recommended amount of vitamin C as a potent strategy to improve outcomes of standard cancer treatment. So university researchers also show pathways by which altered iron metabolism in cancer cells and not normal cells lead to increased sensitivity to cancer cell death caused by high-dose vitamin C. Quote, this paper reveals a metabolic frailty in cancer cells that is based on their own production of oxidizing agents that allows us to utilize existing redox-active compounds like vitamin C to sensitize cancer cells to radiation chemotherapy. All right, so that's good that they're now looking at high doses. Now here, and I hope that they continue with this, because anything that helps a cancer patient that is not toxic to the patient or doesn't increase their risk of dying from the treatment as current therapies do, in fact, we'll be presenting the definitive article on natural approaches to cancer and what works or does not work in orthodox therapy within the next month. It's a large paper. It's about 100 pages long. We'll post it. But some things work, but not most. In fact, 50% of all cancers, once treated, the patient can develop a secondary cancer from the treatment itself. Chemotherapy and radiation are highly uh, carcinogenic. So what can we do? Well, at the Tri-State Healing Center for 20 years, we use no chemotherapies. Instead, we use high dose of vitamin C, higher than the doses that they're suggesting here, even though they're saying it's very high high, but when you saw the results we were getting with 1,200 people with full-blown AIDS, not one died, and 18 completely reversed their HIV status and were totally healthy, breast cancer, ovarian cancer, a dementia, heart disease, all the different people that were treated, thousands of patients, and by the way, all 1,200 uh, AIDS patients were treated free. And uh, but we were doing astronomical uh, amounts of vitamin C, and it worked. And also other nutrients, glutathione, detoxification. All disease benefits from a detoxification process. 
hence the green juices, chlorophyll-rich juices, wheatgrass juice, and barley greens, and spirulina and chlorella, and then just drinking juices. But you got to cleanse the body in order to rebuild it and build a new immune system. Also, from Rutgers University comes a study that heart and liver disease is linked to antioxidant shutdown. Rutgers scientists have discovered that a protein which is supposed to prevent cell damage is not working efficiently in laboratory mice with heart and liver disease. A protein that should help fight infection and keep us healthy may be targeted for treating devastating illnesses like heart and liver disease. This was published in Molecular Cell. And this is caused by oxidative stress. Now, you've heard me mention oxidative stress thousands of times, meaning too much oxygen that damages healthy cells and allowed the release of harmful molecules called free radicals, which resulted in serious illness, one of the body's first lines of defense. And the cell's antioxidant response system is supposed to prevent these harmful invaders from causing a domino effect and damaging cells. Let me give an example. Let's say you go out for a run, uh, and it's not a long run. It's a good run, six miles around Central Park. If you just got up and went out and went it for that run, you've created a massive amount of oxidative stress, meaning you've increased your strength, your endurance, your stamina. You've burned body fat. All that is good, but there's also a negative side, oxidative stress, free radicals. You've prematurely aged yourselves. Now, you won't notice it then. It might take 5, 10, 15 years, but you will notice it. There will day come when you no longer have the same use because you didn't compensate. I call it the laws of compensation to the degree that anything, anything, a virus, a bacteria, a parasite, a nutrient deficiencies, genetics, environmental concerns, causes an imbalance, you must rebalance in excess of the imbalance, meaning the energy, the intent is I'm going to exceed this disease process, this deficiency process. I'm going to make sure it doesn't happen. So then the good way of doing this would be you would take your vitamin C and coenzyme Q10 and magnesium, etc., before you go out for a workout, and then when you come back from the workout, you're compensating. So you're compensating for the free radicals and oxidative stress. The trouble is very few people ever do this. There's almost never compensation. As a result, we're getting something that we want, like we eat a pizza and it satisfies our appetite and cravings, but then we have all this mucus pr producing and uh, gluten from the pizza and dairy with the genetically modified organisms in there, and the excess amount of protein and the meat, all of that is going to cause free radicals. It'll damage your intestine, it'll damage your stomach. And heterocyclic amines from the heating process of the pizza itself will damage our heart and our arteries, clogging our arteries, causing lesions. So what are you doing to compensate? Well, how about nothing? Because generally speaking, if someone is so directed not to eat the right foods, they're not going to be conscious about doing something to help themselves beyond the consequences of not eating the right foods until they have the tipping. And once the tipping occurs, then you've got some serious problems. And by the way, from the Medical University of Vienna, a plant peptide could prevent the onset of multiple sclerosis. This is really good news because it's a crucial development in the treatment of multiple sclerosis, 
together with a team of researchers um, from Australia and Germany and Sweden. Uh, They all worked together through the Center for Physiology and Pharmacology, and they found that the plant peptide called cyclotide, C-Y-C-L-O-T-I-D-E, was useful in uh, taking this natural plant peptide to help block the uh, course of multiple sclerosis, which is a chronic inflammatory autoimmune disease of the central nervous system in which the insulating myelin, that's M-Y-E-L-I-N, sheaths around the nerve fibers are destroyed. And it's progressive. And it, it forms the attacks or episodes. And by orthodoxy, it's currently incurable. We had a person on the show uh, just a couple of weeks ago, who was completely cured. There have been several people who have been completely cured, but those are individuals, and therefore there's not a study. If I did a study of just multiple sclerosis, I'm pretty sure that we would have been able to show that this is important. Anyhow, this is just one piece of a puzzle, but at least it shows you that something new that adds to our uh, our ability to get healthy and stay healthy. And that's important. Um, And also, I want to share some things on the environment in a moment or two as well. But let me tell you about this vitamin D I mentioned at the beginning of the program. According to this research published in Thorax, vitamin D uh, can help all the patients with chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, or COPD. In this meta, meaning many, analysis, they looked at three randomized controlled trials which took place in the United Kingdom, Belgium, and the Netherlands, and they identified the people, and what they all had in common was they were low in vitamin D. So when they gave them sufficient vitamin D, that would be minimal two, 3,000 units a day, they were far less likely to experience worsening symptoms and lung attacks. And patients who already had higher levels of vitamin D, um, that was good for them as well. So if you want to protect your lungs, especially if you suffer from COPD, now there's a good study showing that it works. And for those of you suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, it's not just DIs anymore with all this happening. They found that 300 milligrams of French oak wood extract, that's a liquid, daily for four weeks, um, improved symptoms, reduced oxidative stress, made a big difference. So at the end of the treatment, the percentage of participants with PTSD symptoms were all significantly lower among those treated with the French oak wood extract compared to standard management alone. So... That's something new that can help. And by the way, with this, it also improved fatigue, irritability, oxidative stress, and sleep difficulties were improved substantially with the French oak wood extract at 300 milligrams. Again, something that makes a difference, inexpensive, easy to do, and all natural. And also another study the antioxidants that protected against hypoglycemia's damage. Episodes of hypoglycemia, by the way, which is low blood sugar, 
are common occurrences among diabetics treated with insulin, and repeated episodes are associated with cognitive impairment, which can worsen over time. So researchers presented their information at the Society for Endocrinology's annual conference, showed that antioxidants can make a big dent in stopping the damage caused by low glucose. And uh, so the one that really made a difference was sulforaphane, S-U-L-F-O-R-A-P-H-A-N-E, sulforaphane. And that's found in broccoli and cauliflower, Brussels sprouts and asparagus. And uh, also it made a difference within 24 hours of each use of sulforaphane. So I think that's very important to know that there's something that can help reduce the markers of free radical damage, improving our memory, and helping people, something that simple, that easy, especially if you have hypoglycemia. That's the latest on health and healing. We are 18 minutes into our program. We're going to take a break, and when we come back from the break, we're going to address some of the questions that people in this audience have asked concerning really good questions, by the way, about uh, COVID, and Richard Gale will be on, and he will address these. And before we take that break, I just, um, I'll give you the, some of the latest update, but without going further than just the update. The newest analysis out of Yuan, China, from LifeSite News, uh, they studied almost 10 million people, found that asymptomatic spread of COVID did not occur at all, this undermining the need for lockdowns, which are built upon the premises of the virus being unwittingly spread by infections in asymptomatic people. And uh, this was published in the issue of Nature Communications, and it was compiled by 19 scientists. And uh, so now there are those who believe that, yes, asymptomatic people can transmit it. Some have speculated that in fact, the children are the ones most likely to spread because they're asymptomatic, but they're spreaders. That is a specious argument. So like wearing masks, there are those who believe that the mask will protect you from the virus and those who have science also on their side showing, no, it won't. And they both have arguments. I'm just letting you know that this is long ago. The science has been... Uh, thrown on the garbage heap of history because what we have is we have economic and political interest controlling everything on COVID now. But the good news is, and you'll hear it from one of the top lawyers tomorrow, there are lawyers from all over the world who are lining up and suing some of the earlier scientists, especially the scientists in Germany who patented a PCR uh, antibody, or PCR test to determine do you have the virus and it was shown that the amount of replications you had to do to see if the virus is there was 40. And at 40, you just have dead debris. You don't have anyone infected at 40. And yet, that was the basis of all of these positive reactions, false positives, turns out. And then by cause all the false positives, politicians freaking out and then doing lockdowns. So... Now, the income, the people who are making the difference. Remember, it was the lawyers uh, who took the information to show that all seven of the major tobacco industries 
CEOs lied before Congress when they said they didn't have any evidence that their tobaccos were addictive or harmful or caused cancer emphysema. They lied. They did know. Uh, none of them had to go to jail. None of them lost their job. It was also the lawsuits that brought down Monsanto and his glyphosate. It was also the lawyers who brought down the asbestos people and the Native Americans, Navajo, who were working the trailing mines out west and knowing that they, they didn't know, but the people in the mines and the government knew that they were getting a high doses, unhealthy doses of radiation and they end up with cancer years later. So now it's time for the class action lawsuits and to see the truth. And it'll come out in depositions, discovery, and trials. We've been lied to. Is it a real virus? Yes. Is Fauci right when he says that uh, it's natural? Well, then ask Fauci this. A real reporter wouldn't do their homework and know. How is it the CDC patented the coronavirus? The law says you cannot patent a natural substance of any type. So did they break the law when they patented a natural source? I don't think so. But the law also says that you're not allowed to um, do what would amount to biological uh, research, biological, biological weapons research, um, because we had outlawed that. Either way, uh, Fauci is wrong. But Fauci is wrong about just about everything. Oh, and by the way, on this topic, the COVID-19 vaccine um, is being rejected by an awful lot of doctors and nurses. Why would they reject it? They're the ones who are most likely to benefit if it protected them. Did they actually make the mistake of looking at the scientists and physicians who talked about um, the medications that are non-toxic, that will keep you from getting the virus, uh, like ivermectin at eight milligrams? or uh, hydroxychloroquine at 200 milligrams and all the hundreds of studies proving that it works in spite of all the naysaying and the condemnation by Fauci and the New York Times and all the other media, all speaking in one voice. Yeah, maybe they, on this one, maybe they have good reason to doubt. Is there a scientist or physician on the planet who can say with confidence these vaccines are safe and effective when the trials won't be over for years. You'll hear this from Richard Gale in a few moments. But here's what they're now demanding. This is from CNN. They're prepping us for the vaccine passports, which will become mandatory for all forms of travel, plane, train, and bus. Even shopping can't go to the movies. That's according to what they've got coming at us. So that's in the works. Oh, and also, uh, they now have passed a law down in District of Columbia that without, without a parent's knowledge or consent, they can vaccinate your 11-year-old child as if your child doesn't need parental guidance or approval to get a vaccine. So if we're allowing a person to drive at a certain age, vote at a certain age, drink alcohol at a certain age, but the most one of the most deadly things you could do is get a vaccine into your body, not knowing anything about your biochemistry. What if you have a reason that you can't take the vaccine? Do you think an 11-year-old is going to know that? 
Will they know if they suffer from any autoimmune condition? But that's how they're taking this. No parents will know that their child was vaccinated because the state now says, we don't have to tell you. And by the way, going into the new year, the current administration had no complaints, nor the outgoing administration, nor members of Congress, nor the media. Quote, drugs don't work if people can't afford them. Big Pharma to raise prices of 300 medications on January 1st. Quote, the increases come as pharmaceutical companies like Pfizer are playing hero by developing vaccines for COVID-19 in record time. So, we already had the most expensive drugs in the world. It's the number one profitable industry in the United States. A lot of their drugs kill people and don't work. They're overprescribed. Some work. Fully support that. But only a small percentage. And now they're going to gouge and gouge and gouge. Would they have set this if they knew that they, they couldn't get away with it, if they'd be challenged by members of Congress? So exactly who in Congress is challenging the pharmaceutical companies on its pricing? But once again, who's in the cabinets? Members of Big Pharma? Members of the banking cartels? Members of the energy cartels? They've had every administration going clear back to Dwight Eisenhower. That's who runs the cabinets. Those are the policymakers. And they're saying, let Big Pharma get even richer, even if the average person would die for lack of a medication that otherwise might save their life. So, and uh, so all across the country, people are saying, enough. We'll talk about what you need to know in just a few minutes. Please stay with us. I'd like to welcome all of you. I'm Gary Nall. We're going to be releasing more in original investigative reports than ever before in my history this year. We're going to be going after major corporations, governmental agencies, and individuals within those agencies who have been corrupted and show their corruption and how it manifests and how they've used the media. We're going to expose the media. We're, we're going after everyone we can go after as long as we have a venue to be able to do it. Richard Gale is on the line now. Richard, um, I sent you a, a letter from one of the listeners who had some legitimate questions, and I was impressed by the quality of the questions. I believe everybody could appreciate the answers, uh, especially in light of how much misinformation we're getting and contradictions. For example, the media is praising Israel for vaccinating in a country, I believe, around 12 million people, more or less, 1 million. And yet, here's RT today. Hundreds of Israelis get infected with COVID-19 after receiving Pfizer uh, biotech vaccine report. Quote, with the, with the vaccine not providing immediate immunity to the coronavirus, over 200 Israeli citizens have been diagnosed with the disease days after getting this. It's 240 people, but also their deaths. None of this is being covered in the mainstream, just how many people can get it. This is also, uh, this is from, uh, on New Year's Day, quote, Fauci says mandated COVID-19 vaccines possible for travel and school when someone in government positions of power says possible, you know it's already circulating. Yes, it's going to happen. Um, also, 
did the coronavirus escape from a lab, New York Magazine? And the person's raising this as a legitimate concern that it, it could have gotten out. It was certainly altered. It did not occur by itself in nature. Fauci should have known that there are enough smart people out there to do that. Uh, so again, we're being lied to nonstop. And, and also, what, what vaccine trials? You know, the uh, Ian Davis of uh, Off Guardian wrote an interesting article. Quote, COVID-19 vaccine trials appear to have caused some confusion. Hopefully, uh, they'll iron it out. So did they really test the vaccines so they can determine they're absolutely safe and effective? And the average person thinks when you get the vaccine, you're going to be protected from getting COVID or you're going to be protected from spreading COVID. That's where, where we're going to start. The form is yours. Yeah. Good afternoon, Gary. So I think I'll just go through these uh, questions that this listener raised because I thought they were pretty good questions. And also there's some assumptions that are made. Um, so let's kind of clear that up too. Uh, number one, let's remember again uh, that these vaccines were very, or have been rushed very, very quickly to market. And uh, they, in British Medical Journal, New England Journal of Medicine, JAMA, um, it's been very clear. It's been uh, transparent, stating that the the focus of the trials, the tri all these phase one, phase two, phase three trials were very narrow, and the focus was what they were really looking at and where they were putting their <clears throat> their funding into and energy was: do the vaccines prevent illness? So is it, is it going to just even if you get infected? with the virus, is it going to protect yourselves from getting moderate or serious um, illness from it, from the, uh, from the wild COVID? Second, are the vaccines safe? Okay, so those are the two things that they really looked at. And um, everything else, it was kind of like, um, you know, if you want to look at the stars and galaxies, don't look, just stare at your feet. So the, all these other issues were, were being ignored. So the, this listener asked a question, will the vaccine prevent a person from, from becoming infected? Okay, so with respect to this, uh, the vaccines do produce a neutralizing antibody. And um, the first study that was, uh, so for how long do these neutralizing antibodies last before they begin to wane? And the only real study on that was concerning, uh, I believe it was the Moderna vaccine. Yes, Moderna vaccine. Uh, it was done by the um, National Institutes of Allergies and Infectious Diseases, published in the New England Journal of Medicine last month. And uh, this was only a first published preliminary analysis of how long those vaccines will protect you. Okay, so and it was much less than what they were hoping for. They observed a, a drop of 50 to 75 percent within three months. The problem with the study was that they only looked at 34 people. Okay, so there are only 34 people that, who had received both shots of the vaccine that were looked at in this analysis. And, you, and, and I looked at the charts, so I saw the charts of the study. And um, you, what you notice is that for those in the 1855 age group, the, the decrease in the waning of the of your neutralizing antibodies to provide the protection was was 
was less. If you look at the 56 to 70 year age group, it was it was more rapid. And then when you look at those uh, 74 years and older, the 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 decline of your neutralizing antibodies to provide the protection was even was much steeper. So, and in some each in, in several people in each of these groups, the the, the uh, decline was very significant. So, um, this is and this repeats a pattern that we already know because Moderna has also been using its mRNA technology for a couple of flu strains. And there has been studies on those as well. And it's showing the similar pattern of these uh, dramatic antibody drops where it's only probably good for up to six months. And then there is a drop of up to 90% of your neutralizing antibodies. So this raises a question, and I don't think no, none of our health officials or, nor the companies themselves have any certainty uh, if you are facing a 25 to a 50% drop in your antibodies in three months, um, as I say, give them a benefit of doubt of up to six months, how 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 long are you going to be protected for? Okay, so then, uh, that's that question. Then the second question was, if a vaccinated person becomes affected, can that person then infect someone else? Well, theoretically, a vaccine should stop both an infection as well as transmission to spread. But um, and uh, based on this this data, there's um, that w- that's been released, and there is a lot of data that has not been released. It's it's being given out in piecemeal. Uh, it seems very unlikely. Uh, and I think uh, when I think about that, remember the virus is entering through the upper respiratory tracts, so it's either through your nose or through your throat. And um, those are protected by a mucosus layer, you know, the layer of mucosal lining, right? And so that mucosus, mucosal layer, it's good at slowing things down from getting into you, but it also acts as a barrier for things like your antibodies, all right? I mean, this is almost common sense if you just think about it. There's, this is not rocket science. So certainly, uh, um, like antibodies, and certainly for cells from getting out and meeting the virus as it comes in. So it, it seems quite, and we know this from, uh, let me just say from, uh, um, and there's a lot of research on this. Uh, this is the same case with uh, people that have been vaccinated for the flu. That we still know that you can infect someone else, even though you yourself have been vaccinated. It protects you, protects your cells, but that doesn't mean the virus isn't still lingering around and, and that you're, you're inhaling or coming in contact with people who, who, who can transmit the flu. So clearly, I think this is also why the health officials and Fauci and others say that even if after you get vaccinated with this COVID virus, you should still be social distancing and wearing a mask. It's just another way of saying you can still get it. And yes, you can still transmit it to somebody else. Um, the next question the person was asking was the, the, that the pri- I'll read it. The primary purpose of the vaccine is to cause the body to develop antibodies to the spike protein of the COVID virus. In, in referring to the Pfizer trial, I believe here of the 21,000 participants vaccinated group, how many developed antibodies based solely on having been vaccinated? 
Um, well, uh, the Pfizer only released data and data analysis on December 14th with respect to the uh, to those. Uh, and, and they only released data for 37 participants of the 21,000 that received the, uh, the uh, vaccine in the trial. And they showed that all had generated neutralizing antibodies as well as T cell responses. And they were claiming that the uh, that the vaccine could protect from 19 different strains of coronavirus, which seems feasible. I'm, I'm not going to argue against that because uh, they're working with the specific spike protein uh, that is common for all, all these coronavirus strains. So I have no problem with that. Next question was concerning the placebo group. How many of them developed antibodies? And I'd have to say, no idea. There's no, I, I can't locate any data on that. Um, there, uh, another question was based on, um, you know, that they were they were looking at only eight of the 21,000 participants in the vaccinated group that uh, that became affected, thereby claiming a 94, 95% efficacy rate. Um, and so they're asking about based on only the 162 participants in the placebo group coming affected, what is the percent of effectiveness for the placebo group? This is a hypothetical question. Um, and um, because remember that all these people, everybody in these trials, both in the placebo group and the group that was uh, vaccinated, and of course, those individuals did not know which they were receiving, but all of these people were likely still wearing masks. They were social distancing. Second, it's hypothetical because uh, you have to come into contact with someone with the virus. So let's assume you have 20, just hypothetically, let's assume you have 21,000 participants who have received the vaccine and they never got affected, right? So are you gonna say that the 100, that it's 100% effective or is it because the va uh, uh, of the vaccine, or because they just never came in contact with somebody who had wild uh, who was carrying the wild virus, or the other protective measures that people use? And so, it's a, I, I find it's just a very, very these are very hypothetical, um, and especially when you're dealing and looking at numbers that are so 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 small. Then the, the one question which makes an assumption, I think this is a very important one, kind of finish up with this one. And this this idea that um, the mRNA vaccine enters the cells of the person um, and therefore your body is becoming like a COVID factory that's just going to be um, the, the, your, cell, your cells become this COVID factory that's, that's going to be generating the spike protein, protein indefinitely and forever. Um, and to answer this question, again, I think I kind of answered it with the understanding that these antibodies wane, okay? RNA is a very unstable molecule. Um, that is a naked RNA. So this is just loose RNA. Now, the RNA that is being uh, used in these vaccines has a lipid coating. It's a, a nanoparticle. So it's, this is kind of engineered. It's a coating around the RNA that it just allows, it's, it serves as a preservative. It also helps for the RNA to infect the cell, okay? to get into the cytoplasm of the cell, get through, get through the cell's um, um, protein uh, lining. 
Um, but otherwise, RNA is broken down by the body very quickly. Eventually, even these lipid molecules that are used to preserve the RNA get broken down, and then when the RNA is exposed. So um, this question is also kind of making a, an assumption in the way it's worded, that if the body becomes a COVID factory, then you should always be manufacturing antibodies. But if that were the case, then there should be no waning of your antibodies. And that's not the case of what we're seeing. We're seeing that the antibodies okay. do wane. Okay? Okay, good. That's good answers for those. And just let us keep this in mind. Not a single person on the planet, no matter what they pretend to know, know the ultimate outcome. You have to do animal studies. They didn't do them. You also have to did follow people up to at least five years post-vaccination to see what long-term impact it has because not everybody has an immediate reaction. A lot of the reactions occur a year or two years after being vaccinated. And remember, this is only one of two vaccines they're going to get. And so it's all experimental at this time. We have no idea what the ultimate outcome is going to be. We'll know better in about a year from now and certainly two years from now. But I come back to the original statement. If we were giving people the proper scientific information on how to build up their immune system naturally, and for the frontline workers or those most susceptible nursing homes or other uh, critical care centers, if we gave them um, ivermectin and zinc and uh, or hydroxychloroquine at preventative levels, there'd be no need for vaccine. So clearly, the people have a financial agenda or a political financial agenda, but it's not about making a vaccine that saves everyone's lives. Because now Bill Gates and others are saying, well, you got to have 7 billion people. Everyone on the planet has to be vaccinated. Well, you know, you're going to have to have multiple vaccines. Well, you know, we're going to have a lockdown that could last another year. That, from a person who has no background in science, nutrition, immunology, biology, none of it. He's a business person. And just look at how bad the outcome of his projects, his philanthropic projects, would help him and his foundation, but not the world. Thank you. Appreciate Richard coming on. Now, I want to share this with people before we, um, I'm told we have someone in the studio. I'm going to quote verbatim here. Quote, nothing was your own except the few cubic centimeters inside your skull. End quote. That's from George Ordwell's dystopian novel, 1984, published in 1949. The comment is meant to highlight what a repressive surveillance state the characters live in. But looked at another way, it shows how lucky they are. At least their brains are still private. Over the past few weeks, Facebook and Elon Musk's new Neuralink have announced that they're building tech to read your mind, literally. Mark Zuckerberg's company, Facebook, is funding research on brain-computer interfaces called BCIs that can pick up thoughts directly from your neurons and translate them into words. The researchers say they're, they've already built an algorithm that can decode words from brain act activity in real time. And Musk's company has created flexible threads that can be implanted into a brain and could allow you to control from your smartphone or a computer your thoughts. Musk wants to start testing the humans this year. Other companies such as Kernel, 
Emotiv and Neurosky are also working on brain tech. They say they're building it for ethical purposes. Of course they are, like helping people with paralysis control their devices. So it may sound like science fiction, but it's here. What are your thoughts? Do you have a problem giving over your brain? We've given over our body. We've given over our body politic. We've given over our freedom. We don't challenge or march or demonstrate against asset forfeiture, which I believe is now up to $70 billion the police have stolen from us. We've given over all the progressive causes. You won't find a single progressive cause anywhere. I looked at the Democratic platform, not one. No, no, you've given those away. Real progressive causes, you would have no money allowed in elections. You would repeal Glass-Steagall. You would reinstate um, the the ability to have major corporations or lobbyists not influence. You would stop the revolving door. You would have Medicare for all. You would stop all of the home foreclosures. There's so many things that you would do if you were truly progressive. So that's all been given away. So why, why should you care? Why not give you know, someone, a company, the rights to your brain if they gave you something in return? And that seems to be where we're at, some quid pro quo where we have given over all of our rights. 888-874-488. I'd like to hear what you had to say. Now, I'm, I'm going to hold off for tomorrow to play this Brendan O'Neill because it's a very important piece. And if someone calls in about the move now to, in effect, to commodify your brain, remember, they only want what's in your brain because that's the last bastion of freedom that you have. Nobody knows what's in your brain unless you choose to share it. But just ask yourself, would you want every thought that you've ever had because every thought you've ever had is still in the neurons? You may not recall it all, but what would they do with all these thoughts? What would they do? Well, there's a lot that they can do. It's all bad. Let me give you an example of one thing. This is from the Tampa Bay Times, a major paper. Quote, Pasco Sheriff uses grades in abuse history to label school children potential criminals. Um, quote, the Pasco, that's a county, the Pasco Sheriff's Office keeps a secret list of kids it thinks could, quote, fall into a life of crime, end quote, based upon factors like whether they have been abused or gotten a D or F in school, according to the agency's internal intelligence manual. The Sheriff's Office assembles the list by com uh, combining the rosters of for most middle school and high schools in the county with records so sensitive they're protected by state and federal law. School district data shows which kids are struggling academically, miss too many classes, or are sent to the office for discipline. Uh, records from the State Department of Children and Families flag kids who have witnessed household violence or experienced it themselves. So, based upon a child getting a D or an F, the sheriff believes that you could be a potential criminal, so now you are getting a criminal file, a criminal profile. If you've been sent to the office, criminal profile. This is, this is now. This is not the future. This is not dystopian. This is right now. And I want to commend the Tampa Bay Times reporters for breaking this story. Who would have known? I mean, I could tell you horror stories about New York City school system because I have been a teacher for 45 years. But and, and, and like giving passing grades, straight A's, to a student that never attended the school. I mean, the corruption is, is so deep, it's virtually 
unstoppable and unchangeable, the whole system. So now, without you knowing it, your kid can be targeted because of something that the kid had no control over. Does it make a child that experiences and what constitutes violence? Yelling at, you know, parents yelling at each other? Does that constitute violence? In a woke society, everything is a microaggression. So you're going to label children? And then what happens to them? Now you've got a label, and that label goes into all the computer systems of all the agencies. What chance does that child have of getting into another school or getting a job if everything is going to be computerized? And what do you think the outcome would be if someone knew what you were thinking? What's your worst thought? Then you would see the consequences of overstep. And where is the agencies protecting us? Where is the American Civil Liberties Union? Where are these people? Not on this case. I don't see any calls coming in right this moment. If one does, I'll be happy to take it. I'm going to finish with this. I would like to be optimistic that the new administration will be better than the last administration, which would be better than the administration before them. I don't see that happening. And there's a few reasons why. Just take a look at the exact things that Barack Obama and Joe Biden did together. They reneged on its promises to end oil and gas extraction in the Arctic. Instead, they opened up the northern coast of Alaska to exploratory drilling in March 2010. They promised to do away with nuclear arms once and for all. Remember that? That was a good thing. Then turned right around and committed $1 trillion to building new nuclear stockpiles. They failed to prosecute any of the people involved in the 2008 financial crisis. Remember all those people who caused the crisis to happen that impacted all of us? There was even a, a piece of legislation created by Senator Al Franklin to create a firewall between bond and rating users. They squashed that. What happened to their promises to close the revolving door where thousands of lobbyists and, and policymakers could then impact the White House staff. They actually increased it. They carried out 1,000% more drone strikes than the Bush administration. They killed over 4,000 innocent civilians. Did you hear Joe Biden or Barack Obama or Michelle Obama apologizing for the murder of 4,000 innocent civilians? No. Remember, they were going to be the most open and transparent administration in history. They refused more uh, Freedom of Information Act requests than any other administration. They used the Espionage Act to prosecute whistleblowers. Now, think of that for a moment. How is it you call yourself a progressive and the people exposing crimes are the people like Julian Assange uh, or Snowden who are now in either prison or in exile. But the people who they exposed, nothing happens to them. Also, weren't they the ones who said we're not going to allow torture, then turned right around and secretly authorized the CIA to continue renditions, secret abductions, transfers of prisoners to countries that cooperated with the United States? They continued all of that. And oh, by the way, they built those cages and deported 3 million people from the United States in excess of all other presidents in the 20th century combined. And so 
before you buy what someone says to give them power, look what they've done to see if they deserve that power. I'm Gary Knoll. Thank you all for listening and have a nice day.